Covenant Church. I'm Pastor Jody, and I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. I do want to highlight a few announcements, but you know what? This is obviously a very different Easter than we're used to. So would you mind putting, if you're on Facebook with us and you can see the chat column on the right-hand side, why don't you tell me what your favorite Easter tradition is? And put that in the chat comment. Maybe it's what you're missing today. Maybe you can still hold that tradition today. I don't know. Um, but tell us what your favorite Easter tradition is as we begin our worship together. And that could be a way that we greet one another online is by sharing our favorite Easter tradition. There's a couple of announcements I just want to highlight. Obviously, flock note, as people watch online, they say to themselves, how can I get involved? Or how can I get more information about what's coming up? And flock note would be the best way. That's our all church email. And you can text us at First Cove Lincoln. And it's um, text First Cove Lincoln to the number 84576. You can also sign up on Facebook since you're on the Facebook page right now. And we want to thank you um, for your generosity towards First Covenant Lincoln and you continue to give faithfully. Some of you are giving online, some of you are doing bill pay or mailing a check to the church and we want to say thank you for that. The other thing I want to highlight for you is following worship, we will have an Easter coffee hour on Zoom. And the link will be made available to you. Uh, actually, it was made available to you in your Friday email. And there is a password. That's the best way to, and the safest way for us to get together. If you want to chat over Zoom following worship, we will do that. Uh, the Zoom link will not be available until 11.15. But after that, you can get in and just wait for the host to let you in. That's another safety precaution we're using. So um, once you get into the, in, once you sign up for the Zoom account and click on the link, just wait a minute for the host to allow you to come in. Those are the things I wanna highlight as far as announcements. But you know what, every year on Easter Sunday, we always add a really short liturgy response where the pastor usually says Christ is risen and then everyone else responds he is risen indeed. And you might wonder, well, why do we say the, these words or why is this um, practice done? What, it's called the Easter exclamation and it's been a tradition since the early church where this is how we greet one another um, on Easter Sunday. In some cultures actually and in the early church, you know what they did? They said Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. And then they gave each other three kisses on either side of the cheek. Mwah, mwah. I think we're gonna refrain from that today simply because of our social distancing practices during this uh, quarantine, but I don't want us to dismiss the words and the tradition. I don't want us to think that it's a useless or empty tradition. It's actually quite biblical, and it's based on the gospel accounts of Christ's resurrection when he appeared to the angels and when Mary reported the good news to the disciples and they had all seen the Christ, well, Mary had seen the Christ and the words, he is risen indeed, was the best news she had ever heard in her life. It's the best news we've ever heard in our lives as well. So I want you to think, let's practice first. Um, I'm gonna have, ask my worship team to help me. I'm gonna say Christ is risen, and you say he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen indeed. Good job. But you know what, this is the best news of our life. So let's say it like we mean it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Great job. 
Um, we'll say it one more time, but let's set the stage for our Easter worship this morning. Think of a time when someone that you least expected to see suddenly stood before you. Think about a time when you lost something and then you found it again. Or think of a moment when your fear was suddenly proved unfounded and you were surprised by joy. This morning is such a moment. We resign ourselves to the worst and then suddenly life turns around. So come this Easter morning, I'm inviting you to be shaken from your conviction that nothing can change in your situation. Come if you look at the world and feel overwhelmed by the chaos that we're in or delusioned by the promises of the world. On this morning, I want you to remember how Mary went to anoint a dead body and she was greeted by her Savior. Come to worship prepared to see your life and our world through new eyes this morning. Christ is risen. He is, is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's sing together.
because your spirit causes us to rise. We recognize your resurrection this morning. We ask, Lord God, that we would experience healing in the places where we've been hurting for too long. We ask that we would be able to see your presence, even in the times where we think we're alone. Lord, we ask 
As we celebrate the empty tomb, we know that we can rejoice that death does not have the final say, but rather life and goodness will prevail. Lord God, would you break open our lives so that we can receive all the love and the forgiveness and the freedom that you want to give each one of us. May we allow your resurrection to make a difference in our lives. May we allow your resurrection to make a difference in how we live. And may we forever live in the hope of all that is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey kids, how many of you are doing an Easter egg hunt today? Or perhaps, like me, you did an Easter egg hunt yesterday because it was warm and sunny and today it's actually quite cold. Um, that's what I did anyway. But I don't really have any memories of when I did Easter egg hunts as a kid. I think my parents just gave me a basket and said it was good. We didn't hunt for the eggs. So my memories of Easter egg hunts are actually from now when I'm a grown-up. And my, you want to know what my favorite part is of an Easter egg hunt? Finding out what's inside the egg. Opening it up and finding out. I love surprises. So this is my favorite part of, of an Easter egg hunt. You never know what's gonna be on the inside of this egg. It could be candy, jelly beans, or chocolate. Maybe it's some money. That could be kind of fun, or a small toy. I always look forward to opening the egg to find out what the surprise is. As long as it's not leftover Halloween candy from last year, I think it's gonna be good, right? So, I'm gonna find out what's in this egg. What do you think is inside here? Do you hear that? What do you think it might be? What does that sound like? Hmm, should I open it and find out? Oh, ho, ho. jelly bean, mmm, yummy. I think that one tastes like peppermint or maybe chicken. I'm not sure. Mm. They're pretty good. As great as Easter, surprise, Easter egg surprises are, there's actually something even better than that. It's the Easter that happened almost 2,000 years ago. You see, Easter is really all about Jesus. And he came down from heaven and he chose to be with us and he chose to be a human being, and then he lived the perfect life and he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. So in other words, all the things that we've ever done wrong, Jesus paid for already. Jesus loved us so much that he wanted to make a way for us to be friends with God and be with Jesus forever. So I'm gonna illustrate using my eggs in my basket. I wanna illustrate this. My hand, this is me, and I know that God loves me. But, let's have this egg represent all of my sin. And every time I've ever told a lie, every time I've disobeyed my mom and dad, every time I've been angry or had a bad attitude at home, um, maybe every time I've said something mean to someone else, all of that is my sin. And I know that God loves me, but he doesn't really like my sin. So let's pretend this is Jesus, and Jesus never sinned. He lived a perfect life, and God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that I could be made right, 
and be made right with God. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he took everything, all of my sin, everything I'd done wrong, and he put it on himself. But you know what? He loved us so much that he wanted to make a way for us to God. And so he died on the cross. And I'm really glad the story doesn't end right here. There's actually more to the story, and I want to tell you the rest of the story, but here's the best part of the story. This is the coolest part, I think. When Jesus died on the cross, some of his friends, well, his friends, when he died, took him to a tomb. And then, I'm going to let this yellow egg represent the tomb that Jesus was in. And on the first day, Jesus was in the tomb. On the second day, Jesus was still in the tomb. But on the third day, what happened? Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore, was he? It was empty. Jesus is alive. He was no longer there. He was resurrected and alive because he rose from the dead. This is not a fairy tale, kids. This is a true story, a real fact. It really happened, and Jesus proved it by showing himself to so many people after he left the grave. He told his disciples he would be with them even to the end of the world. Jesus is with us every day. Jesus hears my prayers. Jesus comforts me, and he, Jesus helps me make good decisions, and he protects me. He gives me lots of love for other people. We know that Jesus is alive. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within me, and he lives in the world around me. So let's sing another song about resurrection and the goodness of our God and the way that Jesus saves us.
Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Evan. Glad that you're here on this Easter Sunday. I want to read our text this morning, which is from the book of John, chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. We hear the account of Peter, John, and especially Mary Magdalene as they approach the empty tomb on that first Easter Sunday. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, where have you put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had seen that he had said these things to her. Our title this morning is New Expectations. And indeed, sometimes we can have certain levels of expectation and come to find out that our expectation doesn't match up with reality. Just as a, a thought on this and some unreasonable expectations people might have. I have four user review comments from vacations where people obviously expected one thing and got another, and perhaps their expectations were unreasonable. Three of these relate to vacations by the ocean. The first one is in that category. The user review comment was simply, there were too many fish in the ocean. No one told us about this. The kids refused to swim in it. The second review of a user on vacation said, no one told me that I would get wet 
during the whitewater rafting trip. The third review that we can find says, again by the ocean, the water was too salty in the Gulf of Mexico. It was gross. And then finally, after a vacation on the beach, uh, one of my favorite user reviews of all, the beach was too sandy. How do we deal? Because sometimes we run to these occasions, perhaps our, our expectations are a little more reasonable than these vacationers, but how is it that sometimes we have expectations, we want them to match up with reality, how do we deal with our expectations when they don't match up with reality? When what we thought was going to happen actually doesn't come about. There are, of course, many ways that we can deal with this. We can be like these vacation reviewers where we can complain. What I wanted isn't what happened, so I'm going to complain about it, or I'm going to get frustrated about it, or perhaps I'm just going to give up and throw in the towel. Enough. Or, if our expectations don't meet reality, we could deny that that's the case. Oh no, it wasn't that bad. Oh no, we could say all kinds of things to kind of try and justify the situation, but they don't match up. Or, when expectations don't match reality, we can reassess the reality, that is the facts, and realign our expectations accordingly. And this is precisely what Mary, Peter, and John had to do on Easter Sunday. But more than that, all the disciples, Mary included, and all the others who followed Jesus, actually had to do that twice in one weekend, when you think about it. On Good Friday, they had to realign their expectations because Jesus had died. On Easter Sunday, now the tomb's empty, and then Mary runs into Jesus, and now they have to realign their expectations again, all in one weekend, in massive ways. What the disciples expected did not match their reality. If we look at the book of John, since we're reading from John, we're in John chapter 20, if we go all the way back to the beginning of the book, we can see a little bit of what John, the writer, tells us should be our expectations. All the way back at chapter 1, at the very beginning, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he'll go on to tell us, basically, that the reality God's going to give us is this, God in a body. That the one who created all that is, you and me included, in the world, then came to his creation as Jesus. He kind of gives a little more of that in verse 9. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And so John tips us off right there that what we expect might not be the reality God's given. In fact, he's going to tell us the reality is going to be way better than our expectations could have ever hoped to have been. But John says, you're going to have to work with God on this one to see what the reality really is. He goes on, verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what we're going to get, John tells us, is God of the body, the creator himself coming as Jesus. And what Jesus is going to do, and that glory that's going to be revealed, is Jesus fixing his creation that we broke. That's the reality that God is giving us, and that John is tipping us off to, that he's going to tell us about. And in chapter 20, we're seeing the reality of. As the book of John unfolds, you see God's glory over and over again being revealed in Jesus. But now we can ask the question, if that's the reality God was delivering, what did the disciples expect? What did John and Peter and the other twelve expect would happen? Well, we know a pretty common thing that people expected in Jesus' day was, not that one, this one. That God's kingdom would be restored in some way. In fact, that's the last question that the disciples ask Jesus when he gives his sort of final charge to them. They say, hey, Jesus, are you now going to restore your kingdom? And they were thinking, like so many people did, that he's in the line of King David, that was the promise that the Messiah would come in the line of David, and that this Roman rule perhaps would be taken away from them, that they'd be under a godly king, under godly rule again, in God's kingdom. You can also see that, and this was a common belief, that in some way what was going on in the temple, the rites of the temple set up for uh, atonement would be fixed because many people believed they were corrupt at the time. You can see that even in John the Baptist who says, hey, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Some of his people then go and follow Jesus. There's some level of expectation that this is what God is going to do. There's a very common belief. You can see that the disciples are holding beliefs like this. What they didn't expect was that the Messiah would come and die at the hands of the Roman government, die at the hands of the Roman government as a criminal, and they definitely didn't expect that he would rise again after dying. Because in the ancient world as today, dead people stay dead. That was their belief. If we take it a little further to what Mary believed, as far as we can tell, she probably believed nothing different than this. She probably, she followed like a disciple. She was a disciple of Jesus in sort of that outer ring. Probably believed and expected many of the same things. What we do know about Mary Magdalene is that seven demons had been cast out of her. So she had experienced God's power firsthand. And this, everything that Jesus did were signs and wonders of what his kingdom was going to be. She had experienced that. And in fact, that all the disciples that followed Jesus had seen this over and over, had seen him cast out demons, had seen him touch and heal people, signs of the kingdom that he was bringing. They had seen him teach and preach with authority, even stand up to the people that ruled over the temple and stand up to them with authority. And in so many ways, Jesus seemed invincible. But then on Good Friday, all of that was dashed for them. What they expected did not seem to be what was occurring. Their hopes were gone that God would restore all of this. Sometimes our reality can be really hard. 
Sometimes it can be hard when we have expectations that just don't happen. And this was a real historical event, the event of Good Friday in the tomb, the empty tomb, and Jesus rising from the dead. And we experience real historical events all the time as well, where our expectations don't meet up with our reality. But can I just suggest this morning on Easter Sunday that if God was there in creation created, in all of his mighty power, and if God was there in Jesus Christ redeeming that creation, you and me included, if we'll only say yes to it, the biggest things in history, if God's in those things, God will certainly be in all the other details of life as well. Think about it this way. Uh, we'll think about it in this context on this Sunday right now. For the past couple months, we were working on a big Easter service. We had uh, Dr. Garrett Hope, our director of worship, had planned, been planning for the past couple months to put together something big and something exciting. We could be in person doing all this. And yet, we've had to change everything. What we expected is not a reality. We've had to reacquaint our expectations with our new reality. But isn't God present in these new, this new reality that we're living? If he's present in all of this, I believe he's present in the reality we're living now. Many of us at home, if somebody would have said six or eight months ago that this was going to be our reality on this Easter Sunday, we would have said no way. That this was going to be our reality and how we're working from home and teaching from home our own kids and doing all these things. We would have said, what are you talking about? And now all of a sudden this is our reality. Figuring out how to balance bills, how to balance kids, how to make a work from home office, how to figure out how to survive and pay which bills based if we're on furlough or if we've been lost a job, or all kinds of different things have now happened to us, and we've had to re reacquaint ourselves with our priorities and our expectations based on our reality. But if God is in the biggest stuff, isn't God also in these details of our lives? Many of us have been forced to think about things that we don't want to think about sometimes. Mortality, eternal things, transcendent things. But isn't God in those things as well? God is in all of those details. If God's in the biggest stuff that's ever occurred, done for you and me, isn't God in our everyday lives as well and in those details? This season has taken a lot of our expectations and really turned them on their head. We need to align ourselves with reality. What could God do in your life as your expectations and reality are in conflict with one another? On that first Easter morning, Mary and the women went to the tomb. They saw that the multi-ton stone had been rolled away that was unexpected. They saw that there were no soldiers guarding the tomb. That was unexpected. And they saw that there was no body in the tomb. That was unexpected. Peter and John run there, although John gets there first, we're told. They arrive there. John gets first. Peter steps in. John steps in. They both go home to ponder. But then Mary sticks around. Why does she stick around? She's trying to make the math add up. Her expectations didn't match reality, but she's trying to figure out the reality that she's faced with. And we want to recognize this morning, this isn't metaphor. This is actual events being recorded here, told to us. 
that Mary stands there and sees the big stone rolled away. Mary stands there and sees the absence of soldiers. Mary steps in and sees and hears from the angels there. We're getting the record of what happened. Not, as we heard from Pastor Jody, some fairy tale. She spoke with the angel. She turned around, thought she saw the gardener. Why? Because dead people stay dead. But who's not dead anymore? Jesus. Resurrected. Standing there. Flesh and bone before her. And when she's able to take the reality and realign her expectations now with what stands before her, she all of a sudden is given a new commission. Jesus says, now go and tell people what you've seen here. She becomes the first witness to the risen Jesus. She's sent. She becomes the first apostle sent to tell new people about the risen Jesus. And she's the first evangelist of the church sent to tell the good news. All because she's able to look at a reality and realign her expectations with that new reality. That Jesus is alive. Mary and the disciples had expectations of what God would do, especially through Jesus. That all changed on Good Friday. It changed again on Easter Sunday. And Mary realigned her expectations to fit the facts of her reality. Where do your expectations need to realign to the reality of what God is doing in your life. One of the primary messages of Easter is that with God, nothing is impossible. He brings the dead to life. He did that with Jesus. He can do it with you. In Jesus, he transforms the things that break creation and human relationship with God and and mess up this world that he's created, in Jesus, he changes that equation and fixes those things. With God, nothing is impossible. The sec a secondary message of Easter is that God is with you if you say yes to Jesus and realign your reality with what God is delivering. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus really rose to transform his creation and especially the humans that he made in that creation. And if you put him in charge as king in your life and step into his kingdom, then Jesus promises to transform you and walk with you every step of the way as those broken expectations walk into God's real reality. That's the promise of what God delivers on Easter, raises the dead to life, and walks with us as we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. If only we'll take the offer of that transformation. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, thank you that through your Son, Jesus, you've promised us new life and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Lord, for those of us that have taken this transformation and the power of your Son, Jesus, through the resurrection, Lord, help us be evangelists and apostles, taking the good news out and sharing it wherever we go, just like Mary. And Lord, for those of us who are sitting at home wanting our expectations to match up with your reality, may your Spirit work in us this morning in powerful and new ways so that we can respond to your good news. 
so that we can experience your presence walking with us and your transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ this morning. God, give us new life where we don't have it this morning. Transform us. Remake us. Bring us back to life. This we pray in the name of your son, Jesus, who came back from the dead. Amen.
words from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the, glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, friends, He is risen. Say it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Can we do it once more? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. To God be the glory. Don't forget to go join Zoom.